0: Hello there, and welcome to a brand new ArsBlog ArsCast right here on Arsblog.com. Hope you're well. How are you? We've been through an interlull together. We've come out the other side, and here we are. We're almost ready to go. Football returns tomorrow, and we're all hoping, aren't we, that this interlull, sometimes you get one, and it's like, oh, fuck, that is the worst timed interlull of all time we're in great form we're winning games we're playing well we're scoring goals this is completely going to mess up our momentum that's not the case with this particular interlull is one of those where you think "Ooh, maybe it's good that they've all gone away you know when you're sitting there on a saturday morning been out on friday night your head's a bit you know ow and you burp and there's some kind of food that you don't remember eating you look at your phone and you're thinking I don't know if I want to pick up my phone. Don't know. Th- kind of got that fear, you know, the fear in the back of your head. You're going, oh Christ! I, you know, maybe I should just knock this whole getting drunk thing on the head. You know, go clean for a little while. Just give it all up for a bit. You know, that'll be the that'll be the thing to do. You feel healthier, feel better. Don't have the fear. Wake up in the morning and. Okay, you probably feel a bit of pain because you're old now and that's just part and parcel of waking up in the morning. But, you know, this, is it worth it? God almighty, maybe I should. I should stop. Yeah, I think that's what I'll do. But on Monday, like, I won't do it now because it's Saturday. Can't give up at the weekend, you know, but if you look at the Monday in the distance, what I'm trying to say is that you kind of see that as, okay. I'll start a fresh sort of like a New Year's resolution in a way. People behave and act and do things that they know aren't necessarily good for them. And they say on January the 1st, I'll turn over a new leaf and everything will be fine. So maybe that's what this interlull has been for us. Uh, It's a chance to come back, regroup, reassess and get going. I'm hoping that's the case. I think we're all hoping that's the case because another home game without a goal, Uh yeah, I, I don't know that I, I really want to experience that. People are tetchy enough at the moment as it is. So, you know, we could do with something to, to lift the spirits and, and help people stop being so crotchety all the time. Not that everyone is crotchety, but those predisposed to a sort of pessimistic outlook are, are finding nothing to provide them with the the silver lining. There is no silver lining. It's all cloud. 100% cloud, no silver lining. So let's hope for everyone's sake that things are, are better tomorrow when we play Stoke. I didn't watch much of the international football, as uh, I'm sure you know if you were listening to the Cast Extra with James. Uh, it's been all right for the Arsenal players, mostly. Theo Walcott got a couple of goals against some bakers. That was good. Alex Oxley chamberlain got an assist. Alexis got a goal. Santi Cazorla played for Spain and they won, so he's probably happy. Although, Santi is just one of those guys, isn't he? He's, he's happy all the time. He's like a dog. Every day is the best day of his life. You get to play football, have a shower with your friends, play a bit more football. Tomorrow, what are you going to do tomorrow? Football. It's awesome. So everyone's everyone's pretty happy, apart from maybe Olivier Giroud, who had a difficult time for France. Against Serbia, he missed a chance here, missed a chance there, and uh, the usually very patient French crowd expressed some dismay at his performance that he didn't score. Um, Maybe that's not going to do his confidence any good, and he, he is one of those guys, isn't he? Seems like a bit of a confidence player. Will he be affected by that? Will the manager decide to take him out of the firing line, or will he, as he has done in the past, say, hey... You're my guy, Olivier. You're going in from the start tomorrow against Stoke, you big, strong, handsome bastard. Get in there. I believe in you. Score a goal. And who knows, maybe that faith and belief from the manager will be just the thing to to get him going again, to get him to score a goal. And he is the only guy so far this season to have scored a goal. And funnily enough, he's not the one who's missed the worst chances. Let's face it. Alexis, I love Alexis. We all love Alexis. But he's missed worse chances than Giroud for us. I don't care really what Giroud does for France, but Alexis has missed some some pretty bad chances. But look, we'll we'll come back to all the football-y stuff in a while. Uh, we've got to talk a little bit how we got through the interlull. I was watching this program on Netflix called Narcos. This is a um, story of Pablo Escobar. It's quite good, but a bit soap opera-ish. Everyone was saying, this is the new wire type thing. It's not quite. It's a bit too soap opera-ish. And the main guy, I'm sorry to say this. I had to look him up here. Hang on, i got to get his name. Actor Boyd Holbrook, or Holbrook. Uh, there was a scene in episode three or four where he's standing there talking to his wife, and he's, I think he's just come out of the shower, and he's standing there topless. It was really, really disturbing. I don't know if... A human man's body is supposed to look like sort of a muscled up worm. I found that quite disturbing. I know that's not really relevant to anything, but I really felt like I had to share this. I was going to say it to Mrs. Bloggs and go, is it just me or is that guy's body like really weird? And then I thought better of it because I remember we were watching uh, Suits. I don't know if you ever watched that show, but anyway, there's a girl on that show called Rachel. And she's one of the main characters in it. And the minute that I pointed out her likeness to Alex Oxley chamberlain Mrs. Block was like, ah, oh, all I can see now is Alex Oxley chamberlain in a, in a power skirt and a business suit. Thanks very much. So I decided I wouldn't say this. But if there's anyone out there who's been watching Narcos and who had that same experience when they saw that guy's body, let me know. I think we could, we could do with a support group, to be perfectly honest. The other thing I was going to talk about was the, the team photo. Uh, they just released that there yesterday. Fellas looking resplendent in the kit, the uh, the new kit, which I think looks I think it looks really nice actually. The home kit is is good. Could do with the socks being a bit more stripey, but you know, I, I like it. And they're all sitting there. Everyone's everyone's looking good. Young goalkeeper Matt Macy looks about six foot ten. Looks enormous even uh, even beside Petr Cech, who, as we know, is a very tall man. At the back, Matthew Flamini is standing there, and if this was an album cover, people would be now debating whether or not Matthew Flamini is actually still alive. If you remember the Beatles album cover, Abbey Road, where they're all walking across... And John Lennon has, not John Lennon, Paul McCartney is going across barefoot and he's sort of out of step with the others. And this led rise to the fantastic story that, that Paul McCartney had died. I don't know how these things start or get spread. I mean, I can understand how they go around now on the internet. Uh, and even now they'd be uh, very simple to disprove. But how is it that we all knew this story about Paul McCartney? This was the legend. Someone must have just made it up and then it spread like wildfire. But anyway, but Flamini is sort of, he looks like he's, out of kilter or or, or not real he's standing slightly ahead of the the player next to him which happens to be the Jeff he's just standing there and it doesn't it looks unnatural and I, I guarantee you if this was the era of conspiracy theories like remember when two unlimited died that was great they didn't really die but everyone thought they did in a bus crash people will be talking about Matthew Flamini being dead and to back it up look at the picture all the players are staring directly into the camera. All of them. Front row is Alexis, Wilshire, Rosicki, Mertesacker, Arsene Wenger, Mikel Arteta, blah, 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 blah. Every single player is looking directly into the camera, except Mesut Ozil. And we know that Ozil and Flamini have this, this bromance going on. This very special thing they have together. So this is where the conspiracy comes in because Flamini is just kind of there. looks like he's sort of been photoshopped in or maybe he's, you know, he's he's out of sync with the rest of them. Mesut Ozil is looking away into the distance while everybody else is staring directly into the camera. And Ozil is like, Matthew, what what happened? What am I going to do without you, man? Life is never going to be the same. Just don't know what to do. No Flamini, no party. It all adds up. Matthew Flamini has passed on. Gone up to see St. Peter at the pointy gates. It should take a moment. That's enough of a moment. He's not really, but he could be if this was nineteen eighty. And this picture had been somehow distributed to everybody, I don't know, via Shoot Magazine or something. Anyway, anyway, I just thought that was, it just looked a bit weird to me. So check out the photo. I'll, I'll link it on uh, today's blog. You can uh, you can find it there. So look, enough of all that. How about we talk about football and stuff and things with somebody who knows about all of those things and more. For the very first time this season, delighted to welcome back to the Cast, Amy Lawrence. Hello there.
1: Woohoo. Hi, everybody.
0: Um, can, can I start? Let's um, go back because we've had the the interlull and everything else, uh, but people are still a little bit focused on what didn't happen before the international break, and that's that's transfers. I mean, do you have any sense of of what might have happened, um, particularly in the last days of the transfer window when when they found out this thing with with Danny Welbeck was going on?
1: Well, I, I um, this morning went to to. Uh... Arson's press conference. Mm. And, um, you know, Arson's really interesting sometimes because you can follow a sort of train of thought and convince yourself of a certain um, stance with what's been going on at the club. And he has got an amazing capacity to be very convincing and make you really think, oh, okay, fair enough. Well, that's logical and that's rational. He's so incredibly smart like that. <laughs> and, of course, everybody turned up... Uh, and there were a couple of people who were uh, trying, it, it, with the most respectful language, to um, put it to him that, with the Danny Welbeck situation um, and the transfer window, that you know some people seem to be a little bit disappointed with, ha- with how things have gone. <laughs> and uh, I thought that actually Arsene was was fairly spot on in the way he responded to it, which was rational, which was to say, look, the Danny Welbeck injury situation is in a way neither here nor there when you're looking at the overall bigger picture of Arsenal wanted to and tried to and engage with this idea of trying to get a, another striker or a better striker or to, to, to in, in improve those options you know and his, his thinking is pretty simple that it's, a, it's obvious everybody knew getting a you know a Uh, utmost quality centre forward would have been fantastic, but that the options simply weren't there. And I think if you look around at all the players who moved in this window, um, Mm. it's quite difficult to pinpoint too many people that you think, well, actually, Arsenal should have got him or Mm. Arsenal could have got him because there just aren't that many players who fit the criteria for the kind of player that Arsenal needed to be Premier League ready, to be an improvement on uh, on the attackers that are already there, um, to be available and to be within kind of a not insane budget. Um, and I don't know what you think, um, but I, I'm struggling once you get past sort of the, the possibility of maybe going to, to, for Jackson Martinez, who went very early in the window from, from Porto to Atletico Madrid, to think of too many others that you think, there's one Arsenal could have gone for.
0: I, I don't see it in terms of strikers, for sure. I think that's been the big problem all summer is the the dearth of uh, available strikers who are actually better. And I think perhaps there was a, an element that as time went on, people were willing to accept something that they wouldn't have been willing to accept earlier in the summer. That there was this idea, we need a striker better than Giroud, better than, uh, better than Welbeck. But by the time the transfer window was closing and, and the only signing that we'd made was Petr Cech... It felt like well, anyone, just anyone.
1: Okay, okay, I, I, I accept, I accept that. And I think that emotionally, that's a completely sure. understandable reaction for any Arsenal awesome supporter to have. But when you say anyone, mm. like, I mean, are we talking on the kind of Kim Kaelstrom, Yaya Sanogo sort of scale? You know, would that have really made people happier? I don't know. No, I think it
0: would have made people more unhappy because what happens is you have a very short-term boost. Um, Uh, from the people who want anyone, who have got anyone, and thinks, well, okay, at least we've done something. And then you'd have your skeptics who say, well, look, this guy isn't all that. And then the minute that this player demonstrates the shortcomings that make him that kind of a player, that kind of an option, a last-minute option... You know the the frustration that you have with a striker who doesn't do what you want him to do, or who you want to be more efficient. As soon as as those qualities become apparent, then it, you know then you get frustrated again. So I I, I kind of see where
1: the, the logic was there. I I do as well, but I think in the end the, the Welbeck situation you're, you're you're reaching a point where you're saying with a day or two or so before the window is is closing, you know who can we get because this guy's going to probably be out for whatever six months or so um and even then that that list of of players is 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 not exactly you know uh, overfloweth um so it, it's tricky because you know even some of the names that were bandied about in desperation you think well do you get that person on loan and then when welbeck's back do you try and get them for six months how easy is that to do do you get them for a year loan? i mean i just i, I do actually I I completely see the side of the coin where a lot of fans are upset saying you had to get somebody. And I don't think this window was the best managed. because even if you couldn't get the dream centre forward, there were other things you could have done that might have enhanced the squad. That's a slightly different argument. If we're looking just at the centre forward um, specifics, that's where I have some sympathy for Arsene Wenger, where I I just don't think that there was an awful lot that could have been done.
0: What Was it then in the absence of that and when that became fairly apparent? I think that was obvious for quite some time. You know, certainly uh, a good few weeks before the window closed when the the Benzema stuff was going around and, you know, it always felt very, very unrealistic anyway, that when those targets weren't there and weren't available, you know, was, was the alternative looking for someone um, in a different position?
1: Maybe. Uh, I mean, you know, that obviously there was a lot of English clubs that were um, looking at Pedro. Uh, He ended up at Chelsea. He's someone who brings you something offensive and creative from a completely different position, would maybe allow you to play a different way. I'm not saying that Arsenal should have gone for him or even would have got him because usually if you're in the market alongside a Chelsea or a Man City at the moment, it it, it tends to still rule Arsenal out. Whether it should or not, um, it's not a simple case of FFP has failed and they've got more money. It's also down to salary and, and uh, deals and conditions and agents and and so on. So it's it's a, a a really muddy, complicated sort of set of circumstances. Obviously, the midfield area is the one I think that probably screams out and may end up being being the costliest one if uh, there's a bad injury to Coquelin um, or, or he's out for for a period of time because. You'd look around and I think that there were players who were viable in that position. Um, there wasn't, you know, one and you missed him, for example, in Schneidlin's case, who obviously Arsenal were keen on it in a while. There were others that you probably could have bought if you'd have put enough money to, towards it who would have been very strong in that position.
0: I guess then that opens up the other conundrum of whether you buy somebody to replace Coquelin or to provide competition or to to challenge him in that position. But, uh, you know, that's uh, w- water under the bridge at this point. So uh, there's not much point in, in worrying about it. But um, how then does the manager get this team going again after what has been a, a pretty stuttering start to the season? He... Um, he wanted more goals from his team. He said that all summer. He said it at the end of last season that he wants 10 to 15 more goals from people uh, from the team. He's looking for Mesut Ozil to score more, Alex Huxley chamberlain to score more. I guess Theo Walcott, who he s- s- sort of mentions in Dispatches, really. How does, he, how does he manage this team after the international break? Giroud's gone away and had a bit of a nightmare with France Um, does he keep stock with him or does he try and change it up by playing Alexis at centre-forward, for example?
1: I've I've got a feeling he'll play Giroud. I don't know why it's based on nothing other than a sort of um, gut feeling that because he suffered on international duty and Wenger is very loyal to people and one of the things he most likes about Giroud is his character when he's been um, criticised. I just think that the thing to make this team click, and remember that you know, for a lot of, the second half of last season, this same team um, with a different goalkeeper, was doing extremely well, playing some great stuff and scoring a lot of goals. so it's it, it's as much about rediscovering the click and the balance in the current team as anything. Um, and I just sometimes think that it would be interesting for Arson to at least try a slightly different formation to see if that would bring a different kind of a click. You know, it seems absurdly old-fashioned to think about playing two up front, but why not give it a go? Or even the sort of uh, an attacking three in the style of sort of Real Madrid, Barcelona, where, you you know, the front players are a bit more fluid. And, and, you know, there is sometimes a tendency where the, the wide players in the current system they they can get a bit stuck out there and disappear and, and Giroud gets very isolated. You know, an attempt to, to bring the front players closer to each other um, to try and damage teams. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a particular problem at home as well. And we have to see if Stoke uh, approached the team trying to frustrate, as a lot of teams have recently when they come to the Emirates, or whether because they've now got a lot more offensive quality of their own they're going to be a bit more creative and, and give a bit more space. I think they pro- probably Mark Hughes will still try and make it very difficult for Arsenal and see what they can uh, what they can conjure up when breaks present themselves. I think he'd probably be daft not to. The, the, but somehow Arsenal have got to got to relax and, and enjoy their football a bit more and try and find that click at home.
0: Yeah, I mean that is a big worry, isn't it? Because the the goals that aren't coming at home and didn't come towards the end of last season. Uh, at home, it's become a little bit of a problem. On the on the plus side of that, though, it's not as if there haven't been chances. So Arsene Wenger spoke today in, in the press conference when I was watching the video about uh, finishing being cyclical, that you kind of go through periods where it just doesn't really happen for you. Uh, in the same way, perhaps that a striker might go through a streak of scoring goals, perhaps a team can go through a streak of, of not scoring either. So um, when he talks about his uh, being confident that these players can, can score goals, I think that's fairly all right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I suddenly, <laughs> suddenly have this recollection of, gosh, I can't remember exactly how long ago this was, but it was a really long time ago, being on the North Bank. Um, at Highbury when under George Graham, Arsenal didn't score for, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine games in a row, something ages anyway. And the North Bank all regaling the team with, uh, we'll score again, don't know where, don't know when. Um, I don't think it's quite that bad, but uh, but they do need to, some, and I think it was Perry Groves who scored the goal in the end that uh, broke that particular barren run. Someone will correct me anyway on the uh, comments if, if I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, no doubt. Um, apologies about my singing, by the way. Uh, well, it was fun, anyway. I Quite enjoyed it. <laughs> um, but the point is, I, I just think it wasn't that long ago. You talk about the Baron Run; it was just before the the Baron Run, uh, which stretches back to the tail end of last season, that Arsenal were possibly their most convincing for you know in a home game and, and very sort of cascading with joy. in that that Liverpool game was scored for could have been more. Um, felt like there were goals all over the team. So it's not that long ago that that click was there and it's just a a question of of breaking this this negative cycle, if you like, to use Fenger's terms, and and, and trying to to get back in the groove. Sure, It's something lucky, you know, to, to, to get a goal and then... Again, scoring first or scoring early is going to be important against Stoke because mm-hmm. the longer that it stays nil nil, or if Arsenal go go behind, you know you, the tension will probably be be quite quite quick to spread. Mm,
0: for sure, um, and like you say, a lucky goal sometimes can can uh, do the trick. Though we've had a bit of that already with with two own goals. Um, so far the, this season. Um, something somebody mentioned to me on Twitter during the week was uh, when we talk about that second half of the season, that when Arsenal uh, were out of Europe, we're really only playing one game a week and that maybe some of the the worries that people have about the squad depth and the ability to cope with uh, two or three games a week uh, when we head into the European fixtures, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, um, should we be a little bit concerned about that? Because Cocalan, as the example you use, I mean, he can't play every game so we're going to have to use the, the depth of the squad a little bit and Mikel Arteta was somebody who was speaking this week about you know how he was frustrated at being out um, I mean he still to me has a has a role to play in this side but could we be looking at perhaps using momentum as much as anything else rather than squad rotation he doesn't seem to be that keen on rotating the squad yes. at this moment
1: well it's interesting again going back to that period you, you were just talking about that um I think our Arsenal set a a record for, for certainly recent years of, of uh, Wenger picked the same team, didn't he, for what, seven or eight games in a row, mm. um, which haven't been done for best part of 20 years to have that kind of consistency in the team selection. So as you say, that is not really going to be much of an option, I think, looking at the programme coming up. But there is plenty of quality. That was why everybody was so optimistic in pre-season. So... Uh, a lot of it's in the mind, isn't it? When things are looking a bit negative, you think, oh, Mm. who's going to play? Who's going to score the goals? Who's going to cover for this? But if, if the mindset becomes positive, then suddenly everyone, you know, that was a period not so long ago where you're thinking, you've got to get Wilshire in the team and you've got to get, you know, this one in the team and that one in the team and everyone's scoring and who do you drop and who do you play? And it was a luxury of riches. So, it's essentially the same squad,
0: hmm. except for uh, you know we well, don't have don't Danny Welbeck. No, uh, but but, we, uh,
1: but Danny Welbeck was out, sure. certainly for uh, you know for some of that period as well.
0: As was Jack Wilshire, and um, there was news today that that he's going to be a bit longer than expected, which I don't think has taken anybody by surprise at all um, with Jack and just with injuries in general at Arsenal. But these guys, were even if they didn't play a part in the end of last season, what we were looking for from them was uh, the ability to compete with the rest, that these uh, young, hungry footballers who have been out, who have missed football, who want to make their mark, are there to sort of help Everyone else simply because of their presence, because they want a place in the team, and uh, does does that have an effect?
1: Um, what not not having not yeah. having to who who you want to be fit? Yeah, he does bring a certain je ne sais quoi, not just to the pitch but to the dressing room as well. I think you know, um, Jack. Yeah, yeah. You only need to see his. Uh, his FA Cup final celebrations to know that he brings something a bit different in that capacity. He's rooted in what it means to, to do well as an English player and as a boy who's grown up at Arsenal. Um, He brings that in a way that, you know, not really that many of the other players do. Um, So he has a presence, I think that can make a difference just around the place. So, although obviously a, He's not been around for you know great stretches of football, going back quite a few years, and I, I, I do think it's a pity that 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 he's not around. Was there uh, any indication
0: today of of how long that might be?
1: No, it was very vague. I the- think Arsene said he was going to speak to the medical people in the next day or so. Hmm.
0: I don't like it when it's vague, you know. Hmm. <laughs> It's the same with Danny Welbeck. A period of months is worrying because that,
1: that was slightly clarified today. I think um, I think he said certainly until Christmas was the quote about Danny Welbeck. So Hang certainly
0: on. until Christmas. Yes. Right. So that's
1: slightly. I don't know whether that's more or less vague than a period of months on the vagueness spectrum, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it does. It does give us um, uh, at least some idea of when he won't be back. Yeah, no, not when he when he might actually be back. Um, d- does it open up the door a little bit for someone like Joel Campbell to to have an impact? I mean, he's got to be part of the squad now.
1: Could be, could be. I mean, I, I think it was a little bit surprising he didn't go somewhere either on loan or permanently this summer. Just gone, and the fact that he didn't maybe is because. Arsen sees, that, sees that, that there's been a, a maturity in him, or a change in desire or hunger, or I'm not quite sure what. But he, uh, you would imagine that he's going to get bits and pieces of games. But then, you know, you still think of between uh, Theo and Giroud and Oxley chamberlain and Alexis uh, and Santi. There's still quite a lot of players that, and Ramsey that will be. You know, not all of them will play every game. Just want to um,
0: touch very briefly on on Gabriel. Uh, who seems to be settling in pretty well. Filled in for Sacker at Newcastle, and obviously it wasn't the busiest day uh, that, that he's ever going to have, given that Newcastle were down to 10 men, and Arsenal kept the ball um, in the Newcastle half very well, passing it from side to side. Um, but he, he looks like he, he fits well with both Koscielny and Murtisacker.
1: That's the key, really, for him. Mm. It, the beauty of um, um, uh, Koscielny and Murtisacker is the blend. And the the the, the, um, the bond that they have together, the way that they understand each other, um, the brotherhood they almost seem to share, and, and the way they play well together—it's it, pretty amazing to find one man who can come in and, and pick up with either of them. He obviously needs to work a bit more on the rapport with with each of them, and I, I'm I'm quite intrigued to see over the course of the next few weeks and months. I'm sure he'll get plenty of game time. Um, who, which which becomes the preferred partnership because I've got a feeling he might sort of over the course of the season muscle his way in um, and it's, you know, going to be seeing whether he can have the balance and really click with, with either of them or, or both of them. Mm,
0: who, who do you think he might usurp?
1: Ah, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, I, I think Koscielny is a one of the best defenders in the league um, and... Mursacker just brings that know how um uh, and a slightly different element of leadership um so it's kind of you, you know if either one of them are out you're you're losing something mm. um and i don't one thing gabriel I, I think he 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 can bring a sort of different kind of leadership because it's not going to be a leadership with his voice because he doesn't speak english uh and he doesn't particularly look a, a sort of screamy, shouty kind of a guy. But he has a sort of leadership by determination. Yeah. Um, you know, he looks like he's going to run through a brick wall for you <laughs> uh, and uh, come out the other side smiling. So I, I think that, you know, he can... I I, wonder if, I, I can imagine a lot of centre-forwards finding him a headache to play against.
0: Mm, I'd say it's annoying.
1: So that's, that can only be a good thing. For sure.
0: All right, well, look, uh, I know you've got a busy day. Thank you, as always, for your time. We'll we'll catch up soon, Amy Lawrence.
1: Pleasure. Cheers, Andrew.
0: Thank you, as always, to Amy. Uh, apologies if that was a little bit noisy in places, but that was uh, out of our control. It was Skype doing all kinds of strange stuff and, and echoing, and I don't know what it was, really. Could have been perhaps the spirit of the uh, recently deceased Matthew Flamity, just firing through the tubes of the internet, looking for his physical body and, and messing up my Skype call. I think that's what it could have been. You can follow Amy, of course, on Twitter, at AmyLawrence71. That's at AmyLawrence71. Going to do some more stuff right after this.
2: Arsenal Football Club today announced the signing of their new toilet tissue partner in Liechtenstein. Bumtrex, the third most popular toilet tissue in the Principality, will be supplied to the players should they ever have to play a Champions League game there. Arsenal chairman Sir Chips Keswick said bum drinks or keeping the arse in our snow it's a two-ply tissue that smells of aloe vera at first
0: right so there you go and now for more of whatever stuff is going on which isn't a great deal because we've got to start looking ahead to football actual football that takes place this weekend of course against stoke city bit of an old enemy there Fairness, Arsene Wenger was keen to play down any kind of a a rivalry, but we all know it's there. We know it exists. We know their fans don't like us, and we don't particularly like them, especially when we're playing at their place. Mostly they beat us, uh, which is annoying. But, uh, you know, there's a rivalry there. But Stoke maybe under Mark Hughes are a little bit different from Stoke under uh, Tony Pulis. But that doesn't mean Mark Hughes is not a complete cunt. Let's not forget that. Let's not lose sight of that. Mark Hughes has been one of those managers in the past who, well, Steve Bold wanted to kill him one time, I was told. He was there in the technical area saying stuff and sledging, I guess you might call it. And then after the game comes over looking for, for a handshake and Arsene Wenger didn't shake his hand probably. And then there was one of those, well, Arsene Wenger's a wanker for not shaking his hand. Whereas I think if someone's calling you names or giving you grief for 90 minutes, you know, why would you shake their hand? Fuck them. So let's not forget Mark Hughes, despite the fact that he is trying to get Stoke to move away from the more industrial style of football that they used to play under Tony Pulis and Rory Delap. of course, with his long throws. He's still a bad man. I don't like him, and I would very much like us to, uh, to beat Stoke on Saturday. Tomorrow. That's tomorrow. My goodness. Um, so what does the manager do to get them scoring again? Does he keep faith with the team that, that has done well in the past? that hasn't quite done it so far this season. and hope that they, they kind of spark themselves back into life. Does he change formation? Does he pick someone like Alexis up front? We've had uh, a number of articles about that this week. I wrote about it on the blog. I'd quite like to see it. I think it would offer a, something different, a measure of unpredictability up front, because if we do play Giroud up front, we are, we are kind of predictable. And that's not to be critical of Giroud, but we know how, how we're going to play. Whereas with Alexis... None of us do. He probably doesn't. Those around him probably don't either, that there is this energy to him and probably there needs to be a bit more discipline from him if you're going to play him up front. But in the absence of anything else and certainly nothing in the transfer market, why not give it a bash? Give it a go for six or seven games and see how it turns out. I'd be all for that. You can bring in Oxley chamberlain on the right, maybe Ozil on the left-hand side. You've got the midfield triumvirate of uh, Coquelin, Kazorla and Ramsey. Who knows? It just seems to be a bit more scope to do other things in the team to spark a bit of difference on the on the wings or, or in midfield if you play Alexis up front rather than on the left-hand side. Because if you do play Alexis on the left-hand side, then Giroud has got to start up front. Uh, I don't see Walcott being the guy to do it against a Stoke defence. So maybe that's just something that he might be considering. We'll have to wait and see. We'll find out soon enough. But hopefully we can put this gold right behind us this season uh, and get off the mark and get motoring a little bit because there are some fixtures coming up. If you, look down the, uh, if you look down the list of the fixtures that we've got coming up. Okay, we've got Stoke and then we go away in midweek. Of course, Champions League starts next week on Wednesday, away to uh, Dinamo Zagreb. Then on Saturday, 12.45. <clears throat> 12.45, away game at Stamford Bridge. So that's Chelsea following that. Tottenham Hotspur in the Capital One Cup. Manchester United on the 4th of October. You know, there's some big games coming up in this league and we need to have some kind of momentum going into them. So uh, tomorrow would be a great place to to kick that off. And I think if we do get a couple of wins this week, if we beat Stoke, if we beat uh, Zagreb away from home, then you're going into the Chelsea game feeling a lot better about everything. You know, if Giroud scores a goal or if Alexis scores a goal, if we get some goals from midfield, if we start scoring and win a couple of games, this time next week on this podcast, we'll be feeling an awful lot better about stuff. Going to Stamford Bridge won't be as scary, for example, as it would be if we struggled through these two games. So look, you know, all we can do now at this point... Uh, given that the transfer window is closed, given that we're coping with injuries to to Wilshire and Welbeck, two guys who could have perhaps given the squad a bit of a boost, we've got to look at the guys who are there who are capable, let's face it, of a lot better than we've seen from them so far. Even if we're worried that we don't have the the requisite depth uh, to go all the way this season, in the short term, certainly these players that we have are capable of playing better collectively and individually. So we've got to hope that they start doing that. There's nothing else we can do. Guess it's on the manager. The onus is on him to get them cohesive, dare we say. Find that cohesion that we had in preseason. I think we took a cohesion overload in preseason. Could do with some of that again. Um and I hope it I hope it starts tomorrow. Remember, if you are out and about on Saturday, it's our first three PM kickoff since well, I don't know when, but if you are out and about having to do things with, you know, your, your kids or your family. You haven't seen all week because you've been working, and you know you want to catch up with the game. Follow the live blog on your mobile. Just surreptitiously look down at your mobile, and we give you all the updates, live commentary as it happens. That's a way of following it. And of course, on Arse blog News, we'll have match report, we'll have the the videos, we'll have player ratings, we'll have reaction, we'll have all that stuff over the weekend on Arse blog News. James and I will be here on Monday with an ArsCast extra for you, uh, reviewing what happened against Stoke, looking ahead to the Champions League. So, uh, so join us then, please. In the meantime, have yourselves a great weekend. Let's hope for three points. It'll make everyone feel an awful lot better. Uh, I'll catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye.
2: This is my fifth lemony. I don't know where I am. Over there. Over there. over there, over there. I don't know what is happening to me. I am um, some strange place. Over there, no, over, you go over there. I don't know. How did I get here? What, what is happening? Over there, go over there. Sorry, um, I can't help it. I have to tell people where to go even though there's nobody here. Over there! Get over! message message He is not here. Where am I? Could this be another dimension somewhere between space and time? Over there! It appears to be a bookcase of some kind. Why would there be a how am I going to get on? Over Over there? Over there, over there. Over there.